Addiction Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Josh, and my co-host is my lovely wife, Leslie. Hi, y'all. It's been a week or two since we've been on here. We've been trying to kill a turkey, and I don't even want to go there. We're going to talk about that the next podcast. Different time for a different podcast. But this week's episode, we've got none other than the Travis Frank from the Flush Podcast, the Flush Television Show. Minnesota Bound Outdoors, you name it, and Travis hosts and produces it. Um, he is a super nice guy, great bird hunter, and a great storyteller. My wife says he can make you cry just reading the telephone book. But uh, anyways, before we go any further, we want to, of course, mention our great sponsor, Sport Dog. Sport Dog Electronics has... We, I mean, it's second to none. We love it. it whether it's from a e-collar to bird launchers to... Um, good grief! What all they got? They got everything. Literally everything. Literally everything. I mean, and high quality. GPS, GPS, heavy issue. duty, high quality. I mean, can't say enough yes. about the quality of their products and their customer service is top notch. Yes. So check them out at sportdog.com. Sportdog.com is where you can find Sport Dog Electronics. Also, Anukshuk dog food a nookshook dog food is what we feed our dogs it's what you should it's feed what you dogs. should feed your dogs if you've got a dog that you can't keep weight on give it some nookshook from their formulas 2616 to their 3025 formula to their 3232 to their new marine formula check out a nookshook at anookshookpro.com and that's they're a on chewy.com now too yeah you can go on chewy and get the marine formula yep you can and now go on chewy and get the marine formula and also if you want to uh um become a patron and save like a hundred dollars literally it's the best patron code ever um we can save you a hundred dollars off of your first order of a nookshook your first wholesale order of a nookshook dog food just become a patron and, or a patron and and get that discount it's the best become a patron a patron by going to patreon.com and looking up wing addiction podcast yes. and there's different levels of giving and that just helps us keep the lights on yep. um we don't make any money doing this podcast we spend money doing this podcast and it allows us to help continue to give away products and give away hunts and pay our subscriptions to to produce these podcasts and um and keep bringing you content. Yes. And so thank you for all of you that have already um, signed up to be a patron. Um, look for announcements coming soon on um, new perks and things that we're going to be doing for our patrons. Um, and like I said, if, you, um, go, if you're not a patron and you would like to be, um, go to patreon.com. Yes. And all of our money, this is, uh, like I said, we don't make no money. All of our proceeds through Patreon for the month of April, May, and June are going to the KT team. The KT team is a foundation in Georgia. It's based out of Georgia that takes disabled hunters hunting. So all of our proceeds are going to the KT team. So become a patron, get entered for the drawings, plus help out the KT team. Yeah, we're not even going to roll that money back into producing those three months we were, we met these folks at the National Wild Turkey Federation and we just felt really compelled to do what we could to help them in some way and I even did a, a I reached out to people and tried to do a fundraiser for my birthday for them because it's just um, you know there's a lot of uh, organizations out there 
helping disabled veterans hunt and stuff and and they they also will do that but it's also for any disabled person and i personally have have known some people um in my life that are exceptional people who really loved and enjoyed the outdoors and then had a horrible thing happen that uh, you know made that very difficult for them and it's these groups that are that allow them to continue to enjoy um, the outdoors and those things that they love and just um, increase their quality of life and, and how, allow them to continue to fellowship with us and enrich our lives too. Um, so please uh, become a patron. Um, it's going to, it's going to help you out, but it's also a hundred percent of what you give for um, March and April. I mean, April, May, and June is going to the KT project and you can find more information about the KT project online www.thektteam.com is that what it is yep the KTteam.com. Okay. so um, um but we have more sponsors yep. that we have to mention um cable gangs uh I, I say it every podcast it's it's you know the thing you don't know you need until you get it and you absolutely have to have it there's other things you can do to tie your dog out other systems this one we have put it through the ringer and i'm telling you we haven't busted a a fitting a cable or nothing i mean just top quality um highly recommend their product that's brendan landry and he has a website now that you can order from and that's you, w- you have a discount code for them as well. Yep, that's www.cablegangs, with a Z, G-A-N-G-Z, dot com. And what we uh, do with Cable Gangs is just put an extra drop, like if you order a four-dog system, put an extra drop in your car, and then type in the promo code box, W-A-DROP, and that will give you a free drop for your system. So you'll actually have an extra drop, whether you want to use it as a lead or snap it on the end and make it a five-dog system. So use the code WADROP with Cable Gangs. That's www.cablegangs, with a Z, dot com. And also, Onyx Hunt. Onyx Hunt is something every hunter needs. If you don't have it, I don't know why. I don't know it's, what you're doing. Yeah, I don't know what you're doing. And no matter where you're going, no matter where you've been, You'll never get lost with all next because there's always a pen. That's my little slogan. No matter where you're going, no matter where you've been, you'll never get lost because there's always a pen. Yeah, put a little trademark, a little T in the circle. There you go, Onyx, onyxhunt.com. Use our W, or our W code, our promo code WAP. That's W-A-P-20 for 20% off of your Onyx subscription. And like I said, never get lost again and know where you're going. Also, Dakota 283 Kennels, Dakota 283 Kennels, whether, uh, you know, it's unparalleled pet protection, whether you're looking for a the Dine and Dash feed and watering system or the Dash 3.0 or the 5.0 watering systems up to their kennel systems that we use. And we use their Dakota 283 Mediums. G3 Mediums. Yep, G3 Mediums. We love the medium and we've got... You know, bird dogs that's, you know, 60, 65 pounds that we use, you know, the medium. It's You can even set your fat butt on top of it, and, and it ain't going to break. It's not going to break. I sat on one yesterday, and we <laughs> out in the driveway for hours as we just sit out there and BS'd with as the family, and I use it as my chair. And so, anyways, check them out. And also, Dakota 283 patrons, there's a uh, patron code for Dakota 283 if you want to become a patron to save you a bunch of money off that. But if you're not a patron, you can save 10% by using our patron code WA10, 
WA10 in the promo code section. That'll save you 10%, plus give you free shipping on your Dakota 283 order. So we have went eight minutes today. It's not bad on our sponsors, but we got to mention them because they're the ones that keep us going. And, and the KT team because we want to help as much as we can exactly and like i said our patron givers are our biggest sponsor and we really 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 love you guys for that so without any further ado we're going to bring on travis frank from the flush podcast hope you enjoy and we will see you on the flip-flop so we got travis frank on the line travis can you hear us i'm here how are you two doing today Oh, I, I'm doing peachy. Wonderful. I worked on a tiller this morning, a garden tiller. I used my tractor to till the garden up, and my PTO went out on my tractor. So my wife's, my in-laws, my wife's parents gave us a tiller to use for our garden, and lo and behold, it won't run. So I've, <laughs> I've had it apart. Oh, no. We're, a lot of things are broken around here right now. It seems they are. Yeah. A lot of things are broken. So I smell like gas. I've washed my hands twice. And I still smell like I work at a filling station, so mm-hmm. I just need my little shirt with my patch and and Josh on it, so I, I'll fit right in. But uh, well, I, there's a there's something that I tell my kids all the time um, when we're when they're learning sports and we're doing stuff and having struggles, and if they fall down, I say. If you fall down, it just means you have another chance to get back up. There so, you go. There you go. There you go. You got plenty of opportunities to pull through now. Yes, it seems like we're. I've had a lot of chances to get up lately. But um, <laughs> hey, Travis, we all yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Um, it's been it's good to get you on the podcast. Finally, we've been trying to, I guess, kind of hook up for a year, and you can't make it work. I yeah. can't make it work, and we finally got our ducks in a row it's kind of like herding cats but uh we're finally well, here thanks for and, having me on i, I yeah. really appreciate the opportunity to join you too it, it's hey we it's a it's our pleasure and actually travis my wife don't even know this but this episode will be our 50th episode so it's kind of like a half a century mark i guess you'd say oh yeah milestone uh, congratulations milestone. Yes, yes well i'm honored to be a part of something so special for you too well it's uh she was i knew we were getting close i just i wasn't sure what number we were on yeah we we would already be over 100 probably right now but she we had to take a break last year she was working remotely in ohio and so we were never together and so i I just that's tough yeah we kind of probably missed probably we would have probably been about 80 episodes now but anyways um well here how about this then i'll i'll take this opportunity to ask you as the host a question on your own show what have you two learned what have you two learned about each other by working together on this project on this podcast we have a strong love for each other that's that's (laughs) (laughs) i've learned that's something special josh i think he he's more of a planner when it comes to the podcast and and he and he'll always be like did you listen to what i told you to listen to do you remember this do you know that and i'm like man i just talk it's what i do and like every time it just works out and you know and i just don't stress it because when we first started doing it i was like nobody's gonna listen to this you know it's just <laughs> something to do and then you know somebody started listening and so um, <laughs> So I figure, you know, don't fix it if it's not broken. Yeah. that And, and that's and, one of the things that is not broken right now, I y- think. Yes. <laughs> and a prime example of what you just asked, uh, Travis, was 
five minutes before I called you all ago, she, I was like, are you ready for the, to do the podcast? She's like, oh my gosh. And she's like, we're going to do Squadcast. She, she's like, let me throw a hat on. Let me do my hair. And every time. I was very domestic this morning. I, I went at, you know, Josh, Josh was fixing tillers. So I guess it just threw me into some kind of frenzy where I figured I better mop a floor or something. I don't know. So I was well, like, I don't know wait a the, minute. I don't know if the list... Yeah, I'm not sure if the listeners can see you, but you both look great today. Oh. Well, thank you, and so do you, Travis. I, I didn't expect nothing less. I appreciate that. Patagonia. I did, I did my coat. hair. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I did my hair this morning for you guys. Yeah, and I noticed you said hair, not hairs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, yeah. Travis, hey, it's yeah. great having you on. Um so before we go any further, let's just know a little bit about Travis. Travis, I think all the listeners probably know you live in Minnesota. Um, d- did you grow up in Minnesota? And 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 tell us a little bit about your educational background as far as you know you're producing and hosting the TV show and how that worked out. Yeah, I grew up in Minnesota, uh, central Minnesota, about an hour west of Minneapolis. Um, the the town I grew up in was pretty small town, uh, less than a thousand people, and we lived in a neighborhood on the edge of town and our backyard was essentially um a couple miles of unbroken ground there was uh prairie woods wetlands some farm fields and a lot of wildlife it was paradise unfortunately today that doesn't exist anymore the property has been leveled has been changed the hills have been moved the the water has been changed the routing um it's an it's a completely different view there's about 1500 homes there and there hasn't been a pheasant or a deer or a turkey uh, in 20 years on that but um i still drive by it all the time because my dad still lives in the same place even though there's a house in his backyard now uh, instead of deer and, and trees <laughs> um it's still it's still home I live uh, in the same area with my wife. I have four kids now, and I've been doing television production with Ron Chair Productions for 2008, I started, so 14 years, and I've been producing the Flush television shows maybe seven years now, something like that, seven or eight. I also produce uh, Rooster Tales, which is another upland bird hunting TV show, and then regionally here... I produce a TV show called Do North Outdoors, and that mm-hmm. covers our five-state region, the Dakotas, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Iowa, and a little bit of Ontario, Canada. Uh, and that's just all outdoor-related, hunting, fishing, camping, hiking, about people. The stories are mostly about people and places and adventures. And um, you know. And then I also work on a show called Minnesota Bound. So our company, we produce eight different TV shows, all outdoor-related and I'm just blessed that I have the opportunity to work on these and, and I uh, get to host four of them. And mm-hmm. um, I went to school. You asked about my business background. I went to school for business management. And I actually started <laughs> a fishing guide service when I was 16 years old back in high school. And that really opened the door to what I'm doing today because – I took Ron Shera out fishing back when I was in college and we hit it off. And um, that just, that friendship that we made out on the boat translated into an opportunity that he needed help with at his production suite here. And so he brought me on part time and then 
um, 14 years later, here I am doing what the I'm doing now. The rest yeah. is history, as they say. So it uh, is, you know, a lot of people, a lot of, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I was going to say a lot of people, they, they've asked, you know, like, is there a certain path that you would recommend? And I think a lot of it in the outdoor world, you probably could agree with this. You, you and uh, Josh and Leslie could agree that a lot of it is relationships that you make and opportunities when you have them just work really hard to try to make the most of those opportunities because you don't know where it's going to lead. And the outdoor industry is as a whole is actually a lot smaller than most people would think. So once you're kind of in and you know some people and if they trust you, then they'll recommend you to uh, a buddy that might be hiring. Cause a lot of times when companies are hiring, they'll reach out to other friends in the industry and say, Hey, do you know anybody that might fit mm-hmm. this? And, um, you know, that's my recommendation. We have, uh, interns and, uh, people that come through our, our place regularly. And I always tell them like, uh, you know, raise your hand for anything you can do because you don't know where it's going to lead. And, and I was not brought into this company. Ron did not hire me to produce TV at first. It was for other things. Um, I helped with sales and some marketing. Um, you know, I wrote stuff. I, you know, I, I, I started a blog back before blogs kind of like exploded in, mm-hmm. in the world over 20 years ago. Uh, a friend of mine helped me start it. His name was Matt Peters and he was a fellow fishing guide too with me. And we started a fishing blog. He did his own, I did mine, but uh, I enjoyed writing. And so the writing kind of opened the door for me into this, into this career. And that's a lot of what television is, um, you know, is being able to write um, but it's also really what I've learned is just be able to um, work with a lot of people under a lot of different scenarios. And without our television, none of it's scripted. We don't script any of ours. And what you see is what really happens out there. I mean, they're wild birds and mm-hmm. wild places and the weather and all that stuff really is part of it. But we try to make the most of it and, and um, show people the, the truth about what, what's happening out there. Mm-hmm. So you said you're you come from a small town. You said about a thousand people, right? Um, so yep. in your small town, you know, I think about both of us are from really small towns too. And I think about did you have like the hardware store with the old guys sitting outside of it talking to each other? And like, did you grow up in that kind of atmosphere where you could hear these people? The storyteller thing is what I'm trying to get at because when I when I um, think of you. And this is the extent of my preparation as we were talking about. I don't really prepare for things, but um, I was thinking about you, Travis, and I was thinking about the flesh and the thing that really like draws me to that show and why I love it so much is that you're such a great storyteller. And then that got me thinking about other storytellers and how a good storyteller becomes a good storyteller. And so I just wonder if that was kind of the atmosphere you grew up in where were you surrounded by other good storytellers or is this just a gift that you just had and you don't even know why? <laughs> Probably just a gift the good Lord has blessed me with. But I will say I grew up uh, before we moved to that real small town. I was on a, I was born in a farm community in Western Minnesota, about two hours further West than the town that I grew up in. And my, both my, my grandpa's, my mom's dad and my dad's dad were farmers and I do specifically remember going with one of my grandpas uh, to the feed store 
in their town was probably a population of about 400 and it was a farming community. And we'd go to the feed store every morning and it was a bunch of guys sitting on folding chairs in a circle drinking coffee surrounded by uh, bags of, of feed and seed. And they were just telling stories and talking. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. the marina at the lake, when I started fishing, uh, still to this day, there's a group of coffee drinkers, retired guys that go in there every day and the stories they tell. And I, I don't know why I just gravitate towards it, but it's, it's just something that, you know, like it's a peaceful, it's a peaceful way to start a day. It just, mm -hmm. it's, I laugh a lot. We tell a lot of stories um, and I cherish those the wisdom that has been shared and the BS at the same time, you know? Exactly. Um, yep. And then as a fishing guide, I think 80% of my job is to entertain. Mm -hmm. And the other 20 is to make sure that they catch the fish that they came for. Maybe it's not quite 80, 20, maybe 70, 30, but yeah, <laughs> I'm in a boat with strangers for four mm -hmm. or five hours and I have to be able to entertain them. So mm -hmm. the storytelling is, is all part of that. Well, it's it's funny. It's we along with the storytelling deal here. Leslie and I, of course, we we travel. I mean, we have to travel. We call ourselves the thousand mile bird hunters. You know, we have to travel a thousand miles to kill birds. You know, or to hunt birds. So, you know, whether we're grouse hunting, pheasant hunting, quail hunting, you know, we're either in Kansas in the Midwest or we're up uh, at Tyler, a friend we got in mutual. You know, Tyler Webster up there chasing sharp tails or you know pheasants, or going up Wisconsin, Minnesota grouse hunting. So. You know, we have a few grouse around here and we have talked about that before, but really we, you know, we have to travel a thousand miles to, you know, every time we load our dogs up, but back to the store where I was going with this was we listen to a lot of podcasts when we're traveling a ton of podcasts. It's 26 hours from my house to Tyler Webster's house. So you can imagine how many podcasts I get in in 26 hours one way and 26 hours one way. Yes. 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 Wow. Yeah, wow. we, we, we literally, we, we spend a lot of time on the road uh, to, so we can enjoy our passion. But uh, where I was going with this is we listened to a ton of podcasts and Leslie's got a love-hate relationship with a pot, with a, with the flush podcast. <laughs> and, and she's like, Travis, she said, I like listening to the flush podcast. She said, but I also hate listening to the flush podcast. She said, one minute, Travis will have you laughing. And she said, he can also make you cry just reading the telephone book. I know. I was oh. like, oh no. And then we go, oh, now it's wrapping up. She's like, it's up. And here she said, comes. and then here comes Travis in his <laughs> somber voice. She said, he could read the telephone book and I make me cry. <laughs> I love here you, enough. Leslie. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so true I, though. And I, but, but I, you know, I love it. I watch it over and over again. And, and I know it's going to get to me and choke me up at the end. And I'm like, I just, <laughs> whatever especially when y'all you, when you used to do um we've not even talked about you uh, host the flush podcast but everyone knows you do and you used last year you was doing the segment ever episode where you talked you know you had some a, a listener write a story and and send it in to you and those were just like all mm -hmm. tear jerkers and i was just like oh you know travis oh. is reading a segment about someone's lost their puppy and or you know their hunting partner and it's just like uh and to listen to you read that but you are a great storyteller and i think that that will take you well it's already taken you a, a long way but 
the way you can tell stories, Travis, whether they're happy stories with happy endings or uh, sad stories with sad endings, you have a you have a, a knack a that, and it yeah. and and the only way you can explain that is it is a God given talent. Uh-huh. Uh, that means a lot to me to hear you say that. So thank you, I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's it's funny that we're talking about God given talents. Our pastor at church yesterday was. Uh, it's kind of a rabbit hole, but it's real short. Um, everybody's graduating. You know, all the seniors are graduating this time of year from school. So we had all the seniors that was in church recognized yesterday. And each one of them that stood up, um, the youth leader was mentioning their gift they had. And, you know, the pastor's sermon was use your gift or you'll lose it. You know, God gives you a gift and he wants you to use it, you know. And so, yeah, that's uh, that's that's definitely And yours. that's why Josh never shuts up because he's he got the gift of gas. <laughs> <laughs> well you're using your gifts as well so yeah. keep well, doing it well i tell you travis her and i never argue we never cut up we're straight faced and and oh yeah we're just so boring and and that's the good storyteller coming out in him there <laughs> yeah yeah there you go so so travis a little bit about we had talked before we actually hit record here uh, we've got another mutual friend besides Tyler, Ben Bredigan. I did not know until a couple of weeks ago that you and Ben grew up together, basically, and went to school together. And Lord of mercy, everybody that 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 bird hunt, everybody that does any kind of hunt and has Onyx Hunt. And who do you associate um, Onyx Hunt with in the upland world? And that's no other than Ben Bredigan. Tell us a little bit about you and Ben. How far do y'all go back? Well, we currently live less than a quarter mile from each other. Oh, my God. And we grew up. Yep. <clears throat> he actually, I need to call him because he used my Ice Castle Fish House last week to go mm-hmm. to a dog training seminar, and I need to get my keys back. <laughs> so <laughs> that's how close we are. Um, but, yeah, he and I, that same arena that I told the story about the guys drinking coffee, he was one of the guys, one of my... Uh, he actually worked behind the counter when I'd come in, you know, and I'm picking up customers and taking them fishing. And eventually he, he's also just really talented at fishing and really knows his stuff. And so he's like, hey, if you need help, I'll take some of your clients out. And he can also write really well. So that blog that I started, not only did he start taking some clients out with me and helping guide, he also would write on the website that I hosted. And um, so we, yeah, we kind of tag team stuff. And then we went uh, our own ways, sort of. I mean, he, I graduated from school, oh, maybe like five years uh, ahead of him. Um, so he was, he was a little bit younger than I. But we just had the same passions. I mean, obviously, he's he's doing the same kind of thing I am and chasing birds around the country and um, fishing and training dogs. And um, we just we both just really love the outdoors. And he is one of those hunters that, you know, if if I get to go hunt with Ben, I know it's going to be a good hunt. Like he just doesn't doesn't ever mail it in. He always puts in the work to find the best possible places to go. And he's just, he's lethal. Like I've told him, I've mentioned this before. I'm like, you're one of them. You're like a a killer, man. Like you're lethal. (laughs) If you show up, those birds are in trouble. Mm -hmm. And he, he's a heck of a shot. He's got great dogs. He's just a good guy and he knows his stuff. And so Onyx is, um, Onyx is just really lucky to have him. I mean, he's taken over there their bird upland bird hunting division and he's doing a great job with it because he lives the life too. Sometimes people that work in certain 
certain uh, like areas within a company, it might not be their passion. So they don't necessarily excel at it the way that they could if they really understood it or they're really passionate about it. That's not the case with Ben. I mean, he's passionate about it. He lives it. So everything he speaks is truth and you can trust it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's awesome. And, and yes, we had the first time we, well, the only time we've actually met Ben, uh, I've talked to him on the phone, but the we was at the National Wild Turkey Federation convention in Nashville this year. And, and Ben was there. And we, of course, played phone tag for the first day trying to hook up with each other. I mean, that place is huge. I mean, it's like Pheasant Fest on steroids. They had, <laughs> they had like 2,300 booths there. And, uh, but anyways, we caught up with each other and sit down. Yeah. We had a great time. Ben's a super nice guy. And that, that was what that's last Leslie's last words when he left the room, she's like, or first words when he left the room, she's like, he's such a nice guy. And he seems so smart, you know, it's just so, mm-hmm. he's just so easy to talk to just yeah, very authentic. Yeah. So, um, back to, back to Travis Frank, Travis, you've hosted the flush now for how many years? I think seven or eight. Did you ever think that you would host and produce the show yourself? No, I never thought I would do any of what I'm doing. It was always a dream. I mean, as a kid growing up, I watched hunting and fishing shows. I back, uh, you know, 30 years ago, I didn't watch cartoons um, or 35 years ago. I should say I didn't watch cartoons. My parents tell me, they say you used to record the fishing shows that would air you know, the old VHS tapes, I would record the shows, the fishing off, and hunting shows off and then the just Indian. rewatch them. Yes. Well, we didn't have, we didn't have money for cable. So oh, okay. Saturday mornings, yep. um, Saturday mornings, there was, if you got up early <clears throat> on regular network television, there was hunting mm-hmm. and fishing. And mm-hmm. so I would record those and watch them over and over and over. And I just always remembered thinking, you know, someday, gosh, that would be such a dream come true. And I have to remind myself that a lot because, you know, once you get into the, it, it, I'm sure any career out there, any dream job out there, there are days where you're like, what am, what was I thinking? What am I, why am I doing this? You know, I mean, because people think I'd go hunting for a living or I go fishing for a living. And the reality is I make television stories about hunting. I tell stories, you know, on air. So the majority of our time is spent um, working on a you know, computer, to be mm-hmm. honest. Uh, but, but I do get to go out in the field and I do get to meet people like you. And I get to hang out with people that are, you know, just regular hunters. They just love it, hunting and fishing. And... Um, you know, they have a passion for something outdoor related and I get to tell their story. And, you know, I just, I just always have to remind myself that, um, you know, I, I just can't take any day for granted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's really neat to see. And, and that's something, you know, look, I always watch when I'm watching outdoor shows, especially on TV, when they roll the credits, you know, um, a lot of TV shows are small budget. Um, I know the flush has got a larger budget than a lot of TV shows, but a, a lot of TV shows you see small budget, you actually have the host as the producer, you know, and, you know, I've always wondered, you know, when you went into the flush, of course, I know how you got into the flush, but I always wondered if, you know, when you went into the flush as, did you think, you know, Hey, if 
did you, okay, when you went into Ron Share Productions, did you go in as a producer or did you go in with, you know, did he kind of look at you as a host when, when you went into the flush or not just the flush, but uh, Ron Share Productions? Yeah. So I, I, they needed, Ron needed some help. Um, because if, if you're going to produce content, doesn't matter if it's internet or YouTube or, um, radio or television, you have to be able to pay your bills. And so having a sales team is something that's very, you know, very important for anybody that's going to make it in mm -hmm. the outdoor television world. So I worked with, uh, Ron hired me to help, um, sell, be a salesman. I did a little bit of that. Not a lot because my background wasn't necessarily selling, but I told him, I'm like, Hey, I can help. I, I feel confident that I can, mm -hmm. um, call companies and talk to them about, you know, the, the stories that you're telling and the content that you're putting out there. So I did a little bit of that, but I also helped with a lot of the back end stuff with, uh, um, you know, like the whole website world was changing a lot mm -hmm. and I had designed websites prior to, um, prior to, uh, being hired. And so I had a background doing that and he didn't have anybody that could do websites that worked at his company. And so I, I started doing those projects for him and the marketing, doing some sales, doing his web related content, building websites for his TV shows. And then he said, you know, like, Hey, we, we need help here or, who wants to do this? And every time I would raise my hand, and say, I'll do that. I can mm -hmm. do that. I know how to do that. Hey, mm -hmm. I'll try that. I know mm -hmm. how to do this. Yeah, I'm, I'm in. I can take a camera. So I started just trying things. And like I said a little bit ago, if, if anybody ever has an opportunity, um, you know, you got to work your way up. And that's how mm -hmm. I did. And all of a sudden, we added a new TV show. And they said, who wants to produce this one? You know, and they were kind of looking around the room and I'm my hands in the air and said, I'll try, you know, I can do it. And television production is really about managing people. Mm -hmm. And, uh, cause I work with, you know, I'm no longer in sales. I, I didn't do that very long, but I have to work with our sales team to be able to, you know, help create the content for commercials. But I work with the network they're producers at the networks because we work with several from Outdoor Channel, Sportsman Channel, Fox Sports, NBC. Um, you know, it changes as as the shows change. But mm -hmm. so I got to work with the you know the networks. I work with our videographers, our editors, and there's a long process to bring it all together for every episode, and it just requires working with a lot of different people and also setting up you know where we're going to go and film and who we're going to mm -hmm. film with. And then, and then that doesn't even begin to talk about, you know, the putting the actual television story together. That in itself is, um, several hours of taking, you know, maybe, maybe 10, 15 hours of footage that we shot filmed out in the field. And we have a system called logging it. Mm -hmm. And that means you sit there and you type out everything you see and read or everything you see in here because you need to put the script together for the editor based on the, all of that footage that exists and make sense of it. So it's like a puzzle for them. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and that's the role of the, that's the role of the producer. And that's my role today.
Mm. And it just, it just kind of kept growing as uh, needs became uh, apparent mm-hmm. and new, new, new projects um, opened up. I just kept raising my hand. And that's kind of how I I'm doing what I'm doing today. I mean, Ron Shera started the art company 20, 28, 27 or 28 years ago. And he started it because uh, he wanted to tell stories from the outdoor world. And I thought he had set a very high bar. And I still think that way. And to this day, I just try to continue to keep up uh, with the bar that he set. Wow. Well, you've done a great job and that's, that's amazing to know, you know, how, how you came into the company and, and worked your way up and just like everybody, you you know, nobody starts out on the top, you know, unless you've been, you know, just fortunate enough to your family started something and they've just gave it to you. But yeah, it's to work yeah. your way up, to work your way up like you did. It's, I commend you for that. And that's, that, that's awesome. And not only are you, you know, with Ron share productions, you've also had a big part um, as the face of, of quail forever and, you know, and pheasants forever for a long time also. And I guess that kind of just, I guess that was, um, you know, I, I guess it's another gig. I mean, I guess that's just, they seen what you'd done through the flush and, and said, Hey, we need him as the face of quail forever because anybody that watches the flush sees the quail forever video or the quail forever commercials, or, you know, you've been on the quail forever website. You're the face of the website a lot. And so, you know, it's, I guess everybody sees your eagerness and you've, you've really done well. And I want to commend you on that. Well, we, we, we produce the, the flush TV show in partnership with pheasants forever and quail forever. And before it was named the flush, it was actually called Pheasants Forever right. Television. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And so Pheasants Forever's office is only 30 minutes from ours here in Minneapolis area. Um, they're north of Minneapolis. We're west of Minneapolis. But, um, yeah, we're close close together. We work together on a lot of projects. And the reason we changed it from Pheasants Forever Television at the time, there was really stories based on conservation and habitat and uh, you know, human interest stories relating to bird hunting, but they mm-hmm. wanted to try and um, they wanted to try and make it an adventure style TV show to interest the younger demographic because they were watching their membership base increase in age every year and they weren't filling in with younger mm-hmm. members. And they, they said, well, maybe we can try it with a TV show. And I still think we, we try to Include the conservation message so that everybody realizes that you don't have wild birds in yep. wild places if you don't take care of them. Exactly. But um, we, we hunt a lot of public lands now. Uh, we go to a lot of places that um, I'm always looking for somewhere great. But we mm-hmm. hunt with we hunt with a lot of their members. Um, mm-hmm. You know, are just regular bird hunters. It might be climbing a mountain. It might be hunting in a valley, and it could be anywhere really. But, um, yeah, so that's, that's when I really kind of jumped in was shortly after they changed over to the flush. Bill Shirk mm-hmm. was really instrumental in the new direction of the TV show. And just like I work on four shows, Bill works on other shows as well. So we, we split up our time and Bill still, um, still films a couple of flush episodes every year. He loves to bird hunt just like we all do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's also producing other TV as well. So we, we try, we're still a small company. I'm we we don't have a monster team back here. We're not ESPN. Right. You know, we don't have hundreds of people. I think we've got about 20 employees 
Um, that ranges from the owner of our company to uh, producers, to editors, videographers. Most of the time, it's this one and the same. If mm-hmm. they film it, they usually edit the stories that they film. Mm-hmm. Um, and then our sales team as well. And um, so we we do our best working together and, yeah. and keeping the content fresh. Mm-hmm. Well, that's awesome. So a little bit, let's 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 go back kind of to Travis's self. Travis, what do you, as far as the Flush TV show goes? I know you you know we you've kind of led us into what it it takes to to make the show. What is your favorite part of hosting the Flush TV? What do you wake up every day when you're headed to the field? What is your favorite part of hosting the Flush TV show? I think I know where you're going to go with this, but just want to ask you, what's your favorite part of being the host? Going hunting, man. <laughs> Going hunting. Uh, no, that could actually be kind of stressful. I got to make sure the cameramen are in the right place. Is all the equipment's working and say, we're going to the top of that mountain and I have to convince them <laughs> that they should follow me. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I honestly enjoy, uh, you know, I'm really blessed to, to be able to be in the field and go to some of the places in this country that I never thought I would ever see. I always want, I'm like my dog, Daisy. I, I want to see what's on the other side of the next hill, just like she does. Yeah. And I just really, I pause a lot. I mean, it doesn't make TV very often, but I almost every time I get to that next hill, I stop and I'm like, ah, look at us. We're in a postcard right now. Can you believe where we are? You know, mm-hmm. and they just get sick of me saying it over and over. So, um, <laughs> You know, it doesn't doesn't ever make it on TV, but I really love the land and I love seeing the different places. And then I really enjoy the people that we meet. Mm-hmm. Honestly, mm-hmm. I really enjoy the people. I think I'll look back someday on my journeys and the places I've been and it'll definitely be the friendships that I've made and the places that I've seen that'll stand out to me. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people, whether you fish or whether you hunt, you you have a journal. A lot of people, you know, sit down and write a journal. You know, Travis has got an ongoing journal that uh, he, his kids and his family can always look back on and, you know, just go to YouTube. Travis's journals on YouTube. You know, Travis's journals on the Outdoor Channel. And that's neat for your kids to grow up and be able to look back at dad 25, 30 years ago what he was when he was a young man climbing those chucker hills out west and and it, it's an it's an epic journey that you're going on and the journal that you're recording every day is going to be something in the years to come that's going to be it's it's going to be awesome it's going to i'm envious of that i would love you know i uh, I, I try to record you know we we got camera equipment we try to record some hunts but you know as well as i do how hard it is recording an upland hunt period you know, whether you're, yep. especially grouse hunting, good grief. And and so, you know, it's always just Leslie and I normally, and it's hard for me to lay that gun down and, and carry that camera and just, and not hunt. So, you know, it's, we do what we can to record our journal, but I'm envious of your journal you're going to have in 20 years to look back on. Yeah, I appreciate that. Before I started doing TV, I did keep a journal as well. Uh, it was mostly a fishing journal. Not really as much hunting, but I do recommend to people to do that, to keep mm-hmm. a journal. You learn a lot. You mm-hmm. really can look back and put patterns together and mm-hmm. you become a better hunter and angler. And, uh, you know, when it pertains to fishing, most places in this world, you know, freshwater, even saltwater, everything is patternable in the wild mm-hmm. world. And once you realize 
you know, it, it might be off by a couple of days or something, but as a general rule, you know, that fish is going to go run through the same spawning cycle in the same place. And then, you know, go out to the same areas and, and you can create, uh, a milk run of a year. You can have a dream season when mm -hmm. you really put all the pieces together. So as I, you know, over 20 years of guiding, I could, I could tell people what they could expect because I just had, you know, like I had data that you yep. could go back right. and look at and say, yep. you know, here, your odds are going to be really good on these specific days of the month based on the moon. Um, and here's where we're going to go. And, mm -hmm. and I'm telling you, leave that lure on because, you know, in musky fishing was a big part of my, my guiding career. Muskies are a creature of habit. And mm -hmm. once you dial them in, it's like, Hey, just stick with me here. The odds are telling me that this lure on this spot is going to work and that moon is going to rise and mm -hmm. you're going to see it and just trust me, trust me. And then when it happens, they're like, holy crap. Yep. You like some kind of a fish whisper. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I just, I just pay attention to a lot of details yep. and you can, everybody can do that. Yeah. Everybody can. Yeah. And that, that applies in the hunting world too. Exactly. And you know, you know, one of the biggest things like you and I were talking before we recorded, you know, I've done a lot of fishing and, uh, uh, a lot of big tournaments but you know one of the main things that we pay attention to in the fishing world is barometric pressure and i think that is one of the biggest mistakes that upland hunters don't pay attention to barometric pressure can tell you exactly if your scent's going to be high if your scent's going to be on the ground your dogs can smell it's people overlook barometric pressure and when you're recording those journals whether it be a upland journal a hunting journal or a, a fishing journal always record that barometric pressure well, you know, I, I used to, I mean, my, my career has been based on collecting data for things such as sage grouse habitat and, and different things like that. And, you know, almost every data sheet, which now everything's on a tablet, but, you know, back in the day, you know, every data sheet always had those questions that, you know, you might feel are like, why am I, why am I writing this down? But it always had the, um, you know, the temperature, the wind speed, the wind direction, you know, what elevation you were at, you know, all these conditional questions. And it wasn't just because, you know, you needed to just be writing so many things down. It, it's for that very reason so that you can um, look at patterns and you can look at conditional patterns and what you found in the field based on those patterns and stuff. So when it comes to hunting, I mean, or fishing, it just makes sense that if you are able to record and understand those things and how it relates to what your goal is that day, whatever it might be, then you're going to be more successful over time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And you know, we go, when we go out in the field, it's, um, <clears throat> you know, we do a lot of research beforehand, a lot of, have a lot of conversations, you know, try to figure out what we can expect and um, we can't control it, but I try to make, uh, the first day I spend a lot of time just observing, you know, sometimes we get into birds right away. Sometimes we don't, but they're never in a spot on accident, Yep. you know? And mm -hmm. so if you pay attention, you can figure out, ah, okay, all right. They're, you know, like if they get up in an area, I, I go over and check it out and say, all right, what, what were they doing here? Mm -hmm. And then I look for more areas identical and say, guys, we should go over to this area uh, because it looks exactly the same is what we just found them in here. 
and it's the same cover. Maybe it's maybe it's uh, berries on the ground, or maybe it's you know depending on the species of bird you're hunting. But there's usually some reason they're there, and there's a reason why they'll be in the next place as well. Instead mm-hmm. of just walking aimlessly, uh, you can you can put the odds in your favor. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. That's yeah. That's- I'm not about walking aimlessly. <laughs> you can ask Josh. <laughs> yeah. Um you know, Travis, we I wanna I wanna I don't know how you're gonna answer this question, but I wrote this question down and it was the first question that I thought of when you and I were gonna get this podcast together. I know that you and Ron and you know Bill Shirk and, and Scott Friends and you're all, you know, y'all host the podcast. Do you ever get envious of some of the hunts the other hosts go on um do you ever say golly bum i wish that was my hunt i wish i was the host (laughs) no no i don't actually get envious of it i i think you know we try to as a team we sit down in the room together midsummer early summer and we say okay where do you want to go do you have any ideas uh, is there anybody you want to hunt with? And we kind of just, everyone throws out ideas and um, you say, oh, that's a good one for you. Yeah, go get it. Go get that one. Yep. Okay. And then I try to spread it out a little bit around the country as best we can. I mean, we're obviously Minnesota based, um, but that doesn't mean we're not, you know, I, I filmed in Arizona this year, Bill filmed in Florida. Um, I do think the, the, the hunt, on an airboat that Bill filmed in Florida this, this winter <laughs> is cool. Like I, I really excited to watch that show. Um, <clears throat> and I guess maybe envious, I, I don't know, but I thought that's cool. Like I'm, yeah. I'm really interested in it. So I think interested more is, is a better word than envious. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some of the other places, you know, I just like talking and hunting with the guys when mm-hmm. they come back, you know, what did you like? What did, what was your struggle? And, Ron has so many years on me and, you know, he's been to so many places. Uh, we just give each other a hard time regardless. And, and, he's, <laughs> like, and, and he, and he has missed so many birds. Yeah, but so have I, <laughs> so have I, <laughs> you know, we get asked it all the time. Who's the worst shot? And I always say it's Ron, but it could be me. Well, I'm going to go ahead. Well, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and tell you who the best shot is. And that's just because they're the way they like to hunt and what they like to hunt. Bill Shirk can flat out shoot some woodcock and grouse. Yeah. Yeah. He loves, he grew up in the, in the woodcock world in the forest up there. And so it's, it's pretty common that he's going to do a, a rough grouse woodcock hunt at least one a year. Mm-hmm. He loves the challenge um, of going up into the forest. I do as well. Mm-hmm. I grew up, my first bird was not a pheasant. It was a yep. grouse, rough grouse. And so I love it as well. But I, I mean, I've grown really fond of the West yeah. and the wide open spaces. And I just, oh, I could spend all year out in... Idaho, Montana, North Dakota, Wyoming. I mean, I it just I just love that open cover. Bill is a great shot, though. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Scott, well, I mean, well, Scott Tyler, probably made the the. Now Tyler's told me about some good shots that you've made. Yeah, every once in a while I get lucky. Yeah, he said Travis. Um, you no, know, I go shoot. up and down. <laughs> I get I go up and down. Truthfully, I don't spend as much time at the range as I wish I could. I have four very young kids, and when I'm not on the road. I really, really try to spend almost every 
minute with them that I can. So it leads me to probably not be the best dog trainer that I could be, the best shot that I could be. Um, but I just want to be the best dad that I can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's more important to me than being the best shot or mm-hmm. having the best dog in the field. And, you know, I take some heat on some some shows air and people are like, man, you need to get to the range or, you know, you better control your dog or whatever it might be. And I say, yeah, probably right. But what, what is blame the dog on George Lyle? What is blame that on George? <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's George's fault. But he he's got puppies too, and mm-hmm. he's training his dogs, and and he's teaching me. And um, you know, my dog is just a sweetheart at home, and she loves on our kids and and our family. And then in the field, and she smells a bird, she that oh that prey drive just takes over, and I have to try to harness it. And we're getting there. I mean, she's technically not a puppy now; she just turned two. So I'm you know holding her accountable. Um, and I, and she does have a bright future and she, I am really excited for this season, but you know, it's, it's a, a really bold dog and a really prey drive driven dog that has wheels. I mean, she'll go to a thousand yards before you can even load your shotgun <laughs> and she'll tell you if there's a bird there and sometimes she'll find it and thinks that she needs to get it herself and yep. remind it, Oh, we're hunting together. You're yep. not hunting alone. Um, but ultimately I, my, my goal, if, if I, um, you know, if I did touch on this, but if, if I'm just an, an okay television host, but a really good dad, then I think I'm, I'd be, I'd take that as, yep. a, as being a good dad. I yeah. want to spend every minute with my kids and take them into the field and bring them along. And they've been hunting now and fishing. And I just, I just adore them. And the, the years and the days that we get to spend together mm-hmm. means more to me than, than anything else yeah yeah we'll take it from us old geezers that like you'll blink twice and they'll all be heading out of the house and moving on oh. to their own things and yeah and then sometimes they boomerang back and you have to throw the boomerang back out <laughs> <laughs> yep. but yeah yeah i've got in the blink of an eye it's it's they're grown I've been open about my my uh, hunting and fishing career with my kids on you know our podcasts and on uh, any chance that I get to talk about them and you know I've done appearances talking about raising families mm-hmm. in the outdoors and you know I've gotten a lot of feedback and some of the feedback I've gotten from people is just really you know really embrace those days because there could be a day when they want to go hunt without you. Mm-hmm. Or they want to, you know, they, they're not interested in it. And I accept that too. Uh, I'm just, you know, trying to lead them and give them opportunities to learn and, and and be in the field with them. And I mentioned this many times on our show, but the biggest thing is don't wait. You know, if you have young kids, bring them with. Mm-hmm. It might cost you a bird or a fish or a deer or whatever a shot, but who cares? Because you're, you're planting seeds in those young young lives and i'm already seeing those seeds sprout i mean my my oldest just turned eight last week uh the week before he turned eight he shot his second big old tom turkey you know and he's been out in the blind with me for six years now yeah and uh same with younger brother who's six now he's been out there for four years and i have a date with my four-year-old daughter and going turkey hunting together in the next couple of days. So I'm, well, I hope, I hope y'all, I, I know that she probably won't get to shoot it, but I hope dad gets to shoot. And it's funny. You was talking about your, your firstborn's Turkey two weeks ago, the week before your firstborn's Turkey. 
uh, Travis got a number four to the family and congratulations <laughs> and, and, and welcome, welcome to the, uh, I guess to the flush family, your youngest. And like I said, congratulations on that. But, um, thank you. We appreciate you, it. Yeah. So you talk about loving the Western, the Western hunting that's Leslie, you know, she worked for the BLM for, as a field manager out there and done a lot of studies on different upland habitats and stuff like that for, 15 years and she loves the west and i've not been fortunate enough to get to spend a lot of time out there yet but um that's we're definitely well, we've been trying to go to oregon for the past couple of years i tell him about all the my favorite tiny towns and i'm like that's the place like we need to buy property there right now before anybody else finds out because that is the place um yeah i haven't quite convinced him on anything yet but he's, he's josh you need to listen to your wife. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, well, I've been on her for two years about wanting to move to Kansas. I've been wanting to move to Kansas, and I, she's like, well, "I would rather go to Wyoming." She, I'm she like, spent a lot of time in Wyoming. Say you want to live in Kansas until you go see Wyoming and you go to Montana, and I mean, you literally, it should be a requirement to be an American to have to go out there and see the the west because it is like it is unlike anything i ever knew existed you know being from east tennessee and growing up in the south you know everything out here is you know it's beautiful here it's gorgeous here don't move here um but <laughs> you know but going there's something about those wide open spaces and being able to see for so far and to just you know see mountain range on you know this side of you mountain range on that side of you and canyons and it it and knowing you're never ever going to be able to see all of it no matter how much time you spend out there i mean it's just um it's a sight to behold so 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 she's on me to move to wyoming so i don't know I don't know. I give it I give it two thumbs up, especially <laughs> if you love to bird hunt. I think Wyoming might be the most underrated bird hunting state in the country. You have, I believe, 11 different species of upland birds that you can hunt. You can hunt the plains. You can hunt up in the mountains. Um, it's really, really just stunning watching dogs hunt on the side of a mountain, go on point, and... I always, every time I see it, I just pinch myself and I think, gosh, this is it right here. And mm -hmm. Leslie, I'm with you. I mean, I almost every time I take a hunting trip out West, I take photos of an old ranch or something. I send it to my wife and I say, is this home? Some days she's replies, yes, let's do it. And I think, oh gosh, maybe we should. <laughs> Um, I don't know if I could convince Scott Franzen to let me open up a Western Division office on <laughs> chair productions, but I've been I'm trying, and he has a place in Montana, Red Lodge. He goes, let's open it up at my at my cabin out there. Yeah, I, said, I, I used to live near Red Lodge. Yeah, I lived in Powell, Wyoming. One of the many places I lived out there, I lived in Powell, Wyoming, which is you know right next to Cody, which is not far from Red Lodge, yeah. Montana. I mean that whole area. I, I don't know. I just, I'm forever going to love Wyoming. It is like, um, I loved the people. I loved the, just everything about it. I just loved that state. Yeah, I mean, I've, and, I, I flew into Jackson hole before, when I went to, uh, when she moved back here to Tennessee and, uh, I flew into Jackson hole and went to her home and just flying into Jackson hole, Wyoming, you're like, Holy smokes. I mean, just look at this. And then, 
when you go to her house and she's got a yard full of antelope, you know, just <laughs> laying in her flyer, yeah. you're like, wow. And she's like, it's like every day you just got to shoo the like, antelope out nothing. of the flower bed. You know, I, you know, I had to teach my, um, well, I didn't teach him. He taught himself my German short hair. He, when, when I first moved to that and I call it a neighborhood, but it's not yeah, really 12 houses out in the middle and, of a hundred thousand acres. And, uh, Willie would want to go chase the antelope. And I was like, Oh man, we're going to get in so much trouble. Everybody's going to get so mad. And, you know, I had a shot collar on him and I was trying to do my best to train him. What I didn't realize was he was about to learn that lesson all on his own. And, um, I'm not sure what happened cause I didn't witness it, but, um, Lo and behold, one day, Willie stopped chasing antelope. And in, uh -oh. <laughs> in fact, he stopped even looking at antelope. So I'm pretty sure he had a close encounter. And uh, yeah, he might have got his his butt kicked a little bit. But but yeah, it was it was pretty neat. Well, well, Travis, you, you talked a little bit about Daisy. Um, everybody knows who Daisy is. Everybody that watches The Flesh knows Daisy. And, you know, it's funny people talk about, you know, I want to get this dog from this breeder because, you know, the lineage goes back so far. It's a purebred dog, blah, blah, blah. I've hunted with mm -hmm. Daisy's mom. I've hunted with Daisy's dad. Daisy is going to be a machine. But now Daisy, I would say Daisy's mom and dad, you know exactly where Daisy come from, looking at her mom and dad, how she's going to hunt. Daisy's going to be a go-getter because her dad, Bo, has a great nose. I mean, he has an amazing nose on him and CJ has gears like a Ferrari. And so, mm -hmm. you know, um, talk a little bit about Daisy. I know you're, you've had her for a while. You've had her a year and a half now, haven't you? Almost two years. Um, hmm. well, she, he said she was about Maybe. two. So yeah, she's two. So yeah, about a year and a half. Yeah. Cause you got <laughs> yep. her when she was about six months old, correct? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. And we took her out of the prairie and brought her into a neighborhood. And it was, if I'm being honest, it was hell. It was a very difficult time. Um, she was used to taking a five to 700 yard hot lap around Tyler Webster's uh, property. Um, and where he sits, <clears throat> as you know, is up on top of kind of this wide open hillside and short grass prairie you, if she went a thousand yards, you could see this mm -hmm. white dot just, you know, screaming out there. But where I live, that's across two highways through four different neighborhoods and five different streets. And it doesn't fly. It didn't work. And I couldn't let her out. She, I mean, I literally had one day where my, the second day we had her, my oldest at the time was six and he had the, the leash and he was, she just bolted and she goes so fast, he was holding onto the rope, being drugged on his belly, holding on until he couldn't hold anymore. And then she was gone. You oh. know? And so none of my kids could could take the dog outside. And I mean, it was very challenging. And I had a dog that only had one track mind and I had to start working with her. And, you know, you mentioned George Lyle earlier and he's my my bird dog training buddy. And he's got 30 years of wisdom training dogs like her and you know, we got to work, but it was a lot of work and it's still, it still is a lot of work, but I was determined to absorb as much training knowledge as I possibly could because I wanted to understand it. I guess that's just my nature is I don't like to hand anything off. I want to learn it. I want to do it. Um, you know, so now she's such a, well, I should say <laughs> some days she's just a well-trained dog <laughs> and some days I think, 
what am I ever, is this ever going to end? Are you ever going to be my teammate out here? But I, I hunted with her mom and her dad and you mentioned it already. Her mom is a missile out there and she's an amazing hunter. And her dad is just like a methodical assassin. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a, the German assassin is a Tyler and I call him out in the field, Bo. He's just awesome. Mm-hmm. And so she's got all the God given talent, uh, bred right into her. And I'm just doing my best to kind of like just direct her and help her and work with her. And, and, you know, on my podcast, I talk to dog trainers all the time and we, we work through hash out some of the challenges that everybody faces. And, you know, a lot of it is just giving it time and being consistent and developing a good foundation. And then everything works off of that foundation. And that's kind of what I'm trusting in the process. Uh, She's laying here at the beginning of the show. I apologize for that random noise you heard. That was her just having her way on a bone and I, I, uh, now she's passed out in my office here next to me. <laughs> yeah. It's her dad, Bo and I got real close. The, the show Yellowstone that took, I guess the, the country by storm the past few years, I had never watched an episode yeah. of Yellowstone and I was at Tyler's last summer. I just went up there to train. Uh, I wasn't even hunting at the time. We, I went up there by myself for about a week just to train and run on, you know, run on wild birds and, and when I got there, it was 104 degrees. It was so hot. So we spent oh, very no. little time in the field. So I, w- I walked in the house one day. And of course, Tyler was stretched out there on the couch with the TV going. And I jump up on the couch and or I sit down on the couch and I'm like, what are you watching? I said, it looks pretty cool. He said, you've never saw Yellowstone? And I was like, no. And, and you know, t- in Tyler's accent, oh, my God, I've got to turn on episode <laughs> yeah, one. Cannot, cannot yes. believe you've never watched. And so anyways, so we start over watching Yellowstone and Bo jumps up in my lap and Bo laid there through probably six or seven episodes of Yellowstone. So Bo and I became pretty close real quick. But no, they're um, Daisy and, and CJ's a sweet dog, too. She will. I would rather have a dog like Daisy where you can pull her back it's easy to pull a dog back you mean cj no daisy, daisy. his dog oh, okay. yeah it's easy yeah, both to, both of them yeah, yeah okay. but both yeah it's easy to pull a dog back you know hold on to the reins than it is try to get it to go it's like you can't push a rope uphill so you know i'd rather have to put brakes on a dog so you 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 you're gonna have something special there in a couple more years she'll be she'll be a dog to reckon with yeah yeah no doubt about that and i I've had dozens of people tell me that you can pull a rope back, you can't push it. But mm-hmm. I will tell you, when you're out in the middle of a field and you're trying to film a TV show and the 50th person tells you that and your dog is a mile and a half away and you lost signal because the GPS only goes so far, you just don't really want to hear that sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and the main, oh. One of the main main parts of making a TV show, a upland hunting show, is a dog. And if you don't have the dog in the camera, it's hard to make a show. It is very difficult. Yeah. But that was actually, we aired her first hunt. It was in the Badlands. And I, you know, we filmed some of the training, George and I training together. And then, you know, that first day letting her go out there and we lost her. <laughs> she got, she left. She, it was, it got a little bit nerve nerve wracking actually. Uh, the first time we let her go and she went to 900 yards and um, did her thing for a little bit and came back. We're like, okay, okay. And then she went back out again. It was like 1100 yards. And then she, she went to the spa, we said, because mm-hmm. she came back. She was so hot from running and, uh, she just rolled around in that sludge, that badland sludge. And she came back, uh, not a white dog, but a gray dog. And in the sludge, um, 
dried. So she was, it was like cement. <laughs> it was great. So then we had to toss her in a cattle pond. And uh, then that night we brought her back out for her second run. And when one of George's dogs, um, George was actually driving. So he had the GPS collar um, on him and his dog, Bo, got hit by a porcupine. porcupine. And so we're pulling quills and all of a sudden we hear this this like yip sound and we look over and my dog is just making a mad dash we don't know exactly what she jumped or smelled or what it was but she was gone and she ran all she ran until we lost signal on the gps and then um we ended up it's we ended up getting signal back and you know the sun was setting and the signal was didn't move for like 30 minutes as we tried to work our way down this huge canyon in the Badlands. And then I got to the bottom and it was scary because, you know, it could be a mountain lion. It could be a lot of things could happen. Did she run off a cliff or, you know, you just don't know. But mm -hmm. the fact that the signal did not move for 30 minutes had us a little bit worried. And I got to the bottom of this canyon and George was holding the GPS from the top. And he's like, you're, you're right there. And I'm like, I don't see her anywhere and the grass was maybe knee high at the most was that turns knee high out that she was that knee high to you or knee high to george <laughs> uh yeah waist high to me knee high to george. <laughs> um yeah but anyway so she was uh she found this little one foot wide crack it was about five feet deep and there was more sludge down there that could cool her body and she was just laying in it and so she was okay but she was clearly distraught too and I remember walking back up the from that bottom of that canyon thinking, what did I get myself into? And I, and I remember saying we got to the top. Everybody that I interview, they always tell me, oh, it's about the dogs. It's about the dogs. If I didn't, if the dogs weren't here, I wouldn't do it. You know, and I'm like, you guys are all lying BS, you know, and I don't swear, but I, I swore. And ever since getting this dog, I have a, a sailor's mouth and I just like, oh gosh. Yes. So, um, it's not always about the dogs. <laughs> oh. Sometimes it's about the dogs the way you don't want it to be about the dogs, but, uh, yeah, yeah, that's yep. CJ. So we can I'll, all relate I've, to all that too. Oh yeah. We know? can the all relate to that. The skunks, the, you know, everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, the, it's, you know, it's never fun when it happens, but it's nice to watch someone else go through it so that you know you're <laughs> yeah. not alone. Yes, for sure. Yeah. And I've now been able to laugh at other people when it's happened. Yeah. And now I, you know, I, it's just like everything else. It's a, it's a season, it's a journey and it's all part of it. Yeah. Well, it's uh we won't blame Tyler Webster for talking, talking you into taking her cause it, it turns out she's going to be something nice and, and listening to oh, you. I blame him. I yeah. will always, <laughs> I will always blame Tyler. That's it's all his fault. I could have got a nice mellow dog that had plenty of prey drive. <laughs> but and I Tyler's got this just one. sitting at and, home laughing at you going, Whoa. <laughs> Oh, I know. He Evil checks plan. in all the time. How's, how are you doing? How's well, first he's like, how's Daisy? And then how are you? <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm surviving. She's yeah. fine. I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, shoot. Tyler takes his dogs out to use the restroom. Of course he keeps them in his house too. And he turns his dogs out to use the restroom and they all run out of sight. You know, it's just like you were saying, you know, they're, they take a six, 700 yard trek just to go, just to go potty, you know, and come back yeah. in the house. So yeah, it's, it's bread in her. Well, um, 
Travis, we have really, really, I could go on for hours. Of course, every podcast, you can just keep going, but we got to keep this to a, a timely podcast. But it has been great having you on today, and hopefully we'll get together in the field sometime. Um, it's 26. Actually, to your place, it's 22 hours, 21 hours. I, I think I have about 20, 21 hours to your place, and you're about another five or six from Tyler. Uh, nine. I'm nine. Are you are Tyler. you that are you nine? Okay, because it just mm-hmm. it just all ran together. You know, I drove. I left when I went to Tyler's the last time. I left on a Saturday morning at five o'clock and drove till Sunday morning at one o'clock. So I tried to do the whole driving. Not one. recommended. Yeah, not recommended. But mm-hmm. uh, I tried to do it all, but I had to stop and somewhere like between Fargo and somewhere and and, and get some <laughs> sleep. But uh, but anyways, um, yeah. Hopefully we'll get together sometime and uh, we. Um, if not in the field, we'll get together and do another podcast together sometime. But we'd love to get together in the field sometime. But with that being said, uh, you got anything you want the listeners to know? Uh, you got anything upcoming new with the flush or anything that, um, I don't know, anything that needs to, the listeners need to hear? Well, uh, first, I just thank you for having me on. It's It's always an honor to share my passion. Um, and I still, I still pinch myself all the time thinking that somebody might be interested in, in what I might have to say. So I, I think, thank you for that. Um, you know, I, this wasn't something I plan on talking about, but this past weekend I was able to MC a, a large banquet that, um, is held in my hometown and, and the amount of volunteers that stepped up, uh, to raise money for, uh, kids and for projects is it's just like i i just have such an appreciation for people that volunteer their time that um it makes such a difference in this world you know and so that's kind of what i'm sitting on right now in my mind is just being grateful for people willing to step up and and help others um you know and so if you ever are considering it, just know that it never goes unnoticed. If you're ever going to help in any way, whether that's with the Habitat organization or anything at all. Um, and then as far as our TV show, we hunt with, uh, you know, regular bird hunters. We hunt with, with people in every walk of life. And we're always looking for another great place to go and, and, and great people to hunt with. Um, and tell another story about somebody that really cares and loves to be out there in the field. So um, I guess it's always an open invitation to send us your ideas on what might make a good TV show. And if you're willing to have us out, we might be able to make that work. So you can you know, just head to our website, theflush.tv, or on social media, you can just search The Flush TV and send us a message with ideas. I, I do try to respond to everybody. Um, and then I keep a list of these places that maybe it doesn't work this year, but it might work next year, the year after. And God willing, we'll just keep producing television shows and eventually we'll be able to hunt with you someday. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's always my goal. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Any, have y'all got your trips planned for this fall already? Nope. I have a big file, uh, full of ideas And we really, I'm still working on this current season. So our, our current TV shows for the flush will start airing the next season. We'll start airing the first week of July in the outdoor channel. And so it runs July through the end of December, six months. Um, 
so we're still working hard on that. After we get off of this podcast, I have to go uh, work with a couple of editors on on shows. Um, and then once we get all that wrapped up, then we're going to start diving into our plans for next season. As most upland bird hunters know, um, they're a fickle bird and drought, nesting conditions. There's mm-hmm. so much unknown yet that um, we tend to wait until we get a little bit more information mm-hmm. to help us plan uh, it's, it's a lot of unpredictability when you're hunting wild birds on public land. And so we try, <clears throat> we try to make sure that we're doing our, our best to make sure that there will be some birds yep. out there when we show up yep. because it's a very expensive process to invest the time and resources into it and then not have birds there. So mm-hmm. typically May, June, July, <clears throat> heck, we've even planned hunt and hunts in August and September. We had to make adjustments and say you know the drought wiped out this area we're gonna we're not going to that part of uh <clears throat> of nebraska i'm going to idaho instead mm-hmm. you yep. know, and that happens yeah uh, well uh, yeah follow the rainfall you know we we went to, as we was going to kansas this year uh, our contact which is a small games coordinator in kansas he told me he said stay north of 70 he said, you know, where we were hunting, he said it five miles made a huge difference in rainfall. He said, stay north of 70 this year, you know, and so, and we, of course, took it, you know, with a grain of salt. And we hunted south because we like hunting some places on south of 70, but it turns out north of 70 was where it was happening, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, mm-hmm. and it's planting hunts like that. You got to follow the rainfall and the drought conditions. Well, listen, Travis, we've had a wonderful time this week. And like I said, we'll stay in contact and hope to have you back on sometime. But uh, until next week, God bless everyone. Lazy, you got anything you want to say? Nope. Just uh, really enjoyed talking to you, Travis. God bless. Thank you, Josh. Thanks, Leslie. Bless you too. Thank you. And God bless everyone. And we will see you next week. But until then, good hunting. Take someone out in the outdoors. 